Jeez, it's very exciting. <laughs> uh, really, uh, to be honest, there's a bit of a gear change, because about 60 seconds ago, I was eating fish and chips. So um, You'll see this afternoon that this is from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, so uh, we've got some time, so don't, don't worry. It'll be fine. Um, so we did say it would probably be about an hour, so that, if that's okay with you, we'll go to three-ish, probably just a little bit after that, because um, the best thing about a seminar on hearing God's voice is to hear God's voice. Um, so that's really what I want to do, is try and put an emphasis on that. <clears throat> Conscious as well that it, um, this is a full weekend for you, um, and uh, this is traditionally, as you know, known as the graveyard slot for speakers. It's the worst possible time of day to eat, uh, to uh, speak just after you've eaten. Uh, if you were like me and you had fish and chips for lunch, your body is now rebelling against the, the idea of focusing for an hour on some teaching. So we're gonna, we'll keep it fairly light. Um, but it is... Um, the, the whole concept of hearing from God is really important and is a very significant part of living this supernatural life with Jesus. Now, most Christians instinctively know that it should be part of the deal. And evangelical Christians particularly, we have a strong emphasis on um, our faith not being a religion where it's all about what we do, but a relationship where God has done it for us and we're now brought into a relationship with God that Jesus enables us to call his father our father as well and in other words he wants to give us the same relationship that he has with the father so we're, we're adopted sons and daughters into the family of God and we believe more than anybody else or any other flavor of Christian that God speaks and the truth is God is the God who communicates so from the beginning right the way down to the present day, God is a communicative God. He didn't just create us and abandon us, he created us for relationship, and he intended that relationship to be personal for each of us. Um, and we, we emphasize those things, but we often struggle to live out the reality of it. So if you think about it, in the Bible, when God created Adam and Eve, the sort of relationship he wanted with them was actually face to face. So face to face, God would walk with them and talk with them in the shadow, uh, you know, in the, um, the cool of the afternoon. That was when God would meet with his children. Um, because we fell from grace, we lost face to face relationship with God and now we're thrown outside the garden. God becomes the invisible God. Um, and that's difficult for us. So it's hard when you're evangelizing because you're trying to persuade people about the reality of an invisible person. Um, but, even though God was the invisible God, he made great efforts to reveal himself to his people down through the years. So he would often appear to people in theophany, which means a manifestation or a revelation of God, like a burning bush or a pillar of fire, lots of things that were visible that would reveal his presence. And he would speak to particular people at particular times. He had a relationship with Moses. He set up a tent of meeting. It's all about God communicating. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, it says, um, it's talking about the Samuel the prophet, and it says, the seer was at such and such a town. That's what we used to call prophets in the old days, seers. So... When God became the invisible God, he still gifted people with the ability to see into the spiritual realm. And as time continued to go on, what God was doing in speaking to different people at different times was um, essentially um, then becoming written down as well. So we have the ultimate face-to-face -face relationship. We have the ability to see in the spiritual realm and know what God is doing. We have the prophetic voice, which is the ability to hear and speak to others, something which um, God is saying. And then we have the written words, which captures that for us, particularly where what God was saying was for all time. And that's why we have now as our Bible. Those are all ways that God speaks. And there are many more ways that God speaks, but the, the essence is he does speak and he does want us to hear. 
Now, there's a famous story in Numbers chapter 11. And in Numbers 11, Moses is um, sorting out his life. He's basically realized that um, two million people is too many people for him to lead on his own. So the Lord says to him, get the elders, bring them to a particular place, and I will put my Holy Spirit upon them. And um, so this is what happens. So in Numbers 11, when the Holy Spirit comes, they prophesy. So it says, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with Moses, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on Moses, and he put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Uh, and that's actually very common through the Old Testament, that it's, a, it's the first and most obvious sign of the Holy Spirit coming on people, is that they prophesy. You might remember another story in the book of Samuel about King David when he's on the run, before he's the king. King Saul is pursuing him, and Saul sends soldiers to arrest David, and as they come upon David, David is worshipping. The Holy Spirit falls on the soldiers, and they prophesy. So Saul sends another bunch, and as they turn up, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they prophesy. And finally, Saul comes himself. Saul comes himself to arrest David, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he prophesies. And everybody writes down, is Saul also among the prophets? So it's a common feature that when the Holy Spirit shows up, people prophesy. They are inspired to speak words that come from God. Now, back in that Numbers 11 passage, um, there were two men whose names were on the list of elders, but they didn't turn up to the meeting. And the Holy Spirit, though, fell on them as well, and it says they also prophesied. Now, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. The young man's actually Joshua, and I think probably the best way to understand him at this moment is that Joshua is the church warden of Israel. And he, he comes to the, to the vicar, and he goes, uh, Vicar, I'm not sure about this. There's some unlicensed prophesying going on. They're not in the meeting, not in the right place. And Moses has this brilliant response. I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So that's the heart of God being expressed by Moses, his servant, that all of God's people would have the Spirit put upon them, and that they would prophesy. Now, you'll know, obviously, that the most famous prophetic word picked up in the New Testament is um, from Joel chapter 2. Now, that's the one that Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost. And on, let me just read the Pentecost version of it. So, on, in Acts chapter 2, um, the Spirit is poured out, and this is what Peter says, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will put my spirit, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men see visions and old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So what he's saying is that this is going to be the universal gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for men and women, for young and old. And the sign of the Spirit of God coming on people is that they will prophesy. In other words, the new thing is going to be that God is not going to relate to his people through a mediator, Moses, or a spokesperson, a prophet, but every individual member of the family of God will have direct personal access to God and have the ability to prophesy. In other words, to hear what God is saying and to speak it to others. Now, Jesus does the same, doesn't he? Jesus says, in, um, when he's teaching about the Good Shepherd, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Um, and inbuilt into the Christian life is the ability to discern the voice of God and also to discern the voice of the enemy and reject it. My sheep hear my voice. Now, we're not very good at it, that's the issue. Um, and so there are lots of people who will say, I've never heard God speak. Um, and the truth is, he's never stopped speaking, you've just never recognised it. That is the truth, yeah, because that's what the Bible says. Um, so I started thinking a few years ago about what 
what would it look like if we could help people take baby steps into things of the spirit-filled life? And that's, that's really my, my particular passion in ministry, is to, is to get everybody starting. Yeah, there are some people who are really, really gifted at kind of like taking, taking you really, really deep and they can do really, really in-depth teachings on the prophetic or on healing or things like that. But my particular passion is to say to everybody, you can all do this. Um, the reason Becky and I have written these books is not because we think we're special, but because we know that we're normal. And so if God can do it with us, he can do it with anyone. That's the point. You know, it's really to sort of say we could both of us for different reasons, have ruled ourselves out of having experiences with God or um, of being involved in supernatural things, you know, things beyond the normal that we normally experience. But actually we've found that God rules us in, even when we think we're ruled out. So what I'd like to do this afternoon is, is to just prove to you that God does speak to you, uh, and the way that we do that is we'll lead you through a little exercise. Um, so this is going to be very practical and a lot of fun, and the doors are already locked, so you can't escape. You're stuck here anyway. So um, I won't embarrass you or make it awkward or difficult in any way. I promise you I've, um, I've done this to much more fearful groups than you. Um, the biggest problem I think we have with the prophetic is we build it up into something massive, which it isn't. You know, we think that something prophetic has to be the mega word from the prophets to the nation. Uh, you know, often we think it has to be something about the future. But actually, if you look through the Bible, the prophetic word is nearly always about the present. And it's nearly always about what God is feeling about the situation that's in. So sometimes that prophetic word is to the nation. Um, often it is to the people of God to help them be encouraged. And it can be incredibly simple. Uh, simple. So the, the, the most powerful prophetic word in the book of the prophet Haggai is the Lord is with you. That's it. The, the whole temple building project has collapsed. They've all, they've all become discouraged. And the word of the Lord is the Lord is with you. And that's it. And that word, because it's the right word at the right moment, that's exactly what they need, and they get the building again, and they finish the job. So bear that in mind. It can be big, it can be small, but what is God saying? Now, in the New Testament, um, we've got a couple of interesting scriptures I want to highlight. The, the first one is in 1 Thessalonians. Um, 1 Thessalonians is actually uh, quite possibly the earliest written bit of the New Testament. It's, it's possibly written as the earliest of Paul's epistles. It's certainly written before any of the Gospels reached their final form. Um, and so it could well be the earliest bit of the entire New Testament. And in it, in the last chapter, we read this. Do not quench the spirit... Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Isn't it really interesting that even in the life of the early church, in the earliest portion of scripture that's written, there's a warning not to despise prophecy and treat them with contempt. Why is that? Because it's so easy to do. It's so easy to despise the prophetic. Uh, it's like, oh, here she goes again, you know, as a... Sheila's got a prophetic word, you know, or, you know, Bob stands up and he goes, yay, my people, the Lord says that, you know, it's so easy to be frustrated with that sort of thing. And that's often because either the, the prophet has claimed more than they probably can claim at their level of maturity, or because it's been phrased in a really archaic form, or because it often carries a little bit more of the prophet than it does of God. You know, there's three sources for any particular voice. There's what God is saying, there's what we're saying, and there's what the enemy might once said. And you see all of those in action. So when um, Simon Peter has the world's greatest revelation, you are the son of the living God, the Christ. And then a couple of moments later he says, Lord, this, may not this should not happen to you when Jesus starts talking about going to the cross. And at that point Jesus has to say to him, Firstly, when he says, you're the son of God, 
Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. You know, what has been revealed to you is from my Father. And people have longed to hear that revelation for years. It's the most amazing revelation. And then when he says, Lord, you, this shouldn't happen to you. You shouldn't go to the cross. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So I think, well, Peter's track record is pretty good there. He gets to hear from God one moment and from the enemy the next. It's easy to kind of get mixed up. The most helpful word, I think, is in 1 Corinthians 14. And that's what we're going to just touch on, and then we'll do a little practical. So 1 Corinthians 14, amazingly, follows 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage you all know well. You might have had it at weddings and funerals. Uh, It's the one about love. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, etc. And then chapter 14 actually continues what was really going on, which is there's a debate or a discussion that Paul's having with the Corinthians about the spiritual gift, and it's been running since at least chapter 12. So chapter 14 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So I think what he's saying is, he's just talked about love, what he's saying is this needs to be the character of anything that we attempt to do for God in the name of God. That's the character. It's got to be loving. More than that, though, if you really want to love people, you will want to try and love people with a love that's greater than your own. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if, if I want to serve my brother or my sister, I should eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit so that what I give them is not just what I've got, but somehow might be something that God has for them. Does that make sense? A lot of people miss that, I think. If you really want to love people, you should really try and love them with something that's more than what you've got. And that could be as simple as a prophetic word, the right word of encouragement or blessing for them in that particular moment. That's why he says especially prophecy. So he draws a distinction then between the gift of tongues where we speak to God, so it's a praise and prayer language, and he says instead, the person who prophesies speaks to people for God, in other words, from God to people, for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. So if you're a little bit afraid of the prophetic, don't be, because all it is is speaking a word that is from God to people that will strengthen them, encourage them, comfort them. Well, who wouldn't want to do that? And who wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that? So that's what it's meant to be. That's the simple, really basic, entry level. That is the heart of what the prophetic is. So, this is where we get down to detail. Most people, though, get hung up on one of two things. First thing is, we think... I never hear anything from God. I don't know how to hear from God. And I've devised a little exercise which, unless you are brain dead, will cause you to have thoughts. And I'm going to guarantee to you that some of those thoughts are probably going to be from God. God's speaking all the time. We just think that a lot of things that are coming into our minds, it's like, you know, I'm pretty good actually at recognising thoughts from the enemy. You know, when I you get a temptation, I go, oh, that's not me, that's the enemy, I resist that. But when I get something else, I'll often go, that's just me. It might be just me, but it could be God. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll find a way of helping you have some thoughts. And uh, I just think, honestly, genuinely, I think the prompts will reveal to you that actually God is speaking to you. Second thing, though, is people say, well... I think sometimes I do get things from God, but I'm not sure about giving them because they might be wrong. Now, can anybody relate to those two things? Yeah, Not sure I get things from God. Might get things from God, but I'm not sure about whether I could share them because they might be wrong. Okay. So what we're going to do in the little exercise is we're going to make it impossible to be wrong. Or at least we're going to make it safe to be wrong. Um, and the way we do that is that I'm, not, I'm going to ask you to just have one test. The only test is, is this nice? Is this something that potentially could strengthen, encourage, or comfort the person who's receiving it? 
If it's wrong, it's just wrong. But it was nice anyway, so it's not a problem. Are you with me so far? Yeah, so, so if, if, for example, I had a prophetic word for you and I said, I think God says you've got a lovely singing voice and you're thinking, I sing like a crow. <laughs> then, you, you, then you'll just go, thank you for that. You're wrong, but thank you for that. Well, you know, you don't have to kind of like go, oh, thank you for that. So it must mean that God loves my voice, even though I sing like a crow. So what it really meant was, you know, you don't have to work at it to make, you know, sometimes we're allowed to be wrong. That's the point. Uh, Paul says we prophesy in part in this life. We only see, you know, as through a mirror dimly. So it's got to be nice. Now, that does mean we're going to rule out a couple of kind of prophetic word categories that people often want to go to too quickly. One is the word of rebuke. So you're not allowed to expose anybody's secret sins. You're not allowed to sort of do anything like that. Rarely does God do that, in my experience, by the way. And you're also not allowed to give um, a directive word. So nothing rebuking, nothing directive. A directive word would look like this. I just think God's saying you need to go to China to be a missionary. Okay, that's a really heavy thing to receive because the person goes, oh, I don't feel like that at all, but maybe I have to. You know, maybe I'm disobedient. I haven't heard the voice of God. You know, oh no. So those two categories of words, the rebuke and the, the directive words, are words that you should probably never give to an individual. You should pass through a pastor. Dump them on Tom. Tell Tom about it. He's like, I had this word for somebody. I don't know what to do about it. You know, that's when the Council of Scripture comes together and we get everybody around and we, we discern what God might be saying. But what you should do in your life is you should experience a green light all the time for giving nice words to people. So there's a, there's a prophetic minister called Graham Crook, and he said, Cook, and he says the, the problem with most Christians is they assume that they've got a red light and they're waiting for God to give them a green light before they give a word to somebody. The truth is you've got a green light and if God doesn't want you to give it, he'll give you a red light. In other words, if you've got something nice to say to somebody that potentially could be from God, give it. Because it probably is. There's always a green light. And if you find a little check in your spirit that says, oh, I shouldn't give that to him, I should just pray about it, God's perfectly capable to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to get you into pairs, and um, I'm going to just get one of you to listen to God for the other person, I'm going to give you a series of prompts. These prompts will cause you to think things, even at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday after lunch. You know, they, they will cause you to think things. Things will come to your mind. I'm not asking you to go into a big testing thing. What I'm going to ask you to do is just to store them all up, just to remember these things. And at the end, the only filter to put on them is whether or not they're potentially nice. So as long as it's not rebuking, as long as it's not directive, if you heard something that could potentially strengthen, encourage, comfort, even if you don't fully understand it yourself, share it with the other person. And what you do is, um, we, we say in New Wine that there's two ways of sharing a prophetic word. One is you slap them around the face with it, and the other is you offer it on an open hand and say, I could be wrong, but I think you can tell which one we prefer. So what you'll do is you'll listen to God, you'll have a whole load of thoughts that will be occasioned by the exercise, and then I'll say, okay, now's the time. Um, you're just gonna pour out all of that over the person and say, well, while, while we were having that time, this is what came to my mind. I could be wrong, but, and then you share those things. What you will discover is that so often the other person will be able to recognize, I think that might be from God. Particularly because, you know, we're going to make sure that we stay fairly close to lots of things the Bible says that God is likely to be speaking to us. So that's um, what we're going to do. Now, the best way of doing this is for you to be with somebody that you don't know very well. I'm going to define very well as being sharing DNA um, or a house. So if you... If you if you share, you share a house, um, so that ban, ban you two, I'm going to separate you two, definitely. Um, so is it all right if you stand up and walk around in church, even in the afternoon? So let's do that. So move around and find a friend, preferably somebody you don't know really, really well. 
it's just so much easier not to get confused with what you actually know of them and their story. So. You can be with um, male and female. It's okay to actually be together for this exercise because it's not massively intimate. So it's okay. We often have an imbalance of the sexes. So do, do please find a friend. And when you've found one, sit down together. And I'm, I'm okay with men and women together if that's the way you're going to do it. Yeah. Do introduce yourself to each other. It's nice to do this as a church family. Yeah. If you, if you want to be on your own and sit it out, that's absolutely fine. If, if you haven't got someone with you and you'd like someone with you, you could just put a hand up so I can see who's, who's not yet had someone. I've got Becky left over. She's really good and actually quite nice. Going once, going twice. I never thought I'd be auctioning my wife off this afternoon. Okay, lovely. That's great. So I think we're all okay. So you're all happy? Anybody feel that they need somebody else? Great. Lovely. Okay, next. So you've exchanged names. You know each other. Which service do you come to? How long have you been coming? That sort of thing. Yeah. The next thing to do is, could you decide who's number one and who's number two? Okay, that's probably enough time for that, isn't it? Now, in my experience, normally, the person who's most confident will go, well, I'll be number one, um, so we're going to do it the other way around. Okay, so, just, yeah, I'm really mean like that. Just to prove to you it does work. Okay, so what I'd like, actually, number one, your job for the next ten minutes or so is simply to have a nice rest. Okay, it's lovely, yeah, I know. So what I'd like is, um, num number one, you, you are going to be listened for by number two. And um, the best thing you can do is, if you, would, you, would you mind just closing your eyes and have a lovely time with God? I'm going to be praying for you, and then as we go through the exercise, I'll just be prompting a few things. Okay? Uh, now, number two, basically what's going to happen is, um, I'm going to pray from the front, and then I encourage you to look at the person that you're listening for. The reason I say that is because it's a big reminder that actually this is a person. You're listening to God, yes, but you're listening to God for somebody that he really deeply loves. And it's all about them. The end result of God's heart is always the people he loves. Um, so it's really good to look at them. I know that it's hard for us to pray and get spiritual without closing our eyes, but it's helpful if you can to look at the person you're listening to God for. Um, so, number one, if you'd like to close your eyes. Number two, let's have a look at them. We're going to pray for them. Uh, so, Father, I want to thank you for these people. Thank you that this is a person whom you love deeply, uh, that you have nice things to say to your children. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we listen to hear from the spirit of prophecy to receive from you words and images and thoughts that strengthen, encourage and comfort. We offer ourselves as channels of blessing and we pray that you would give us things that would bring blessing and encouragement to these dear people. Amen. So number one, just keep your eyes shut. So number two is looking at the person that you're praying for. How does God see this person? And just take note, any thought that comes to your mind, don't, at this point, don't test it, although sometimes you might want to dialogue with God a bit about it and say, oh, that was an interesting thought, what does that mean? How does God see this person? What parts do they play in the body of Christ? They have a unique role. What gifts or abilities 
have you placed in their life? And all the way through this time, all you're doing is just take note of anything that comes, any thought that comes to your mind. Now, the Bible is the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. He inspired it, so it's a very accurate um, record of the sort of ways that he speaks. So, Lord, is there a Bible verse or promise that you want this person to be reminded of? So let that come to your mind. If you don't know the exact reference, don't worry, just... Try and remember roughly what it says. Is there a title of God or an aspect of his character that God wants to remind them of? The likelihood is, actually, if you know your Bible well, you might find several things to you. Just take, take note. Now, because a lot of people actually today also learn their theology uh, through song, is there a line of a hymn or a song that comes to mind? you'll find you won't get you won't get everything with every prompt but you'll get something with some okay ask God now to give you a Bible character Lord remind me of a Bible character right now and you don't need to force anything or make anything happen the, the prophetic comes, we, we used to be taught, the prophetic comes like the touch of a butterfly. It's a little tickle, but you learn to rest, you know, not chase it away. So you've got a, got a Bible character in your mind. What is it about their example or their story that might strengthen, encourage, comfort this person? Okay, so now we're going to use um, that part of our brain that we call our imagination. Um, you might not be very imaginative, but we've all got that ability. And actually, um, we all know, when I say I saw something in my mind's eye, we all know what that means. So if I was to say Big Ben, we've all got a mental image. And where that mental image is, is what we call our mind's eye. So... Sometimes people in church, you'll hear them say, God gave me a picture. And that's what they mean. I saw something in my mind's eye. So, Lord, would you show me something? Will you give me an image or a picture in my mind's eye that might help this person? And pictures often need unpacking, don't they? So maybe say to God, what are you saying through that? Okay, and finally, a really important question. Lord, what does this person most need to hear from you right now.
and just take note of any sense or thought that comes to you. What does this person most need to hear from you right now? And it will be something that is going to strengthen them, encourage them, or comfort them. Let's give you a couple more seconds. Okay, great, well done. Number ones, wake up, back in the room. Right, uh, number ones, it's your lucky day. Um, number two is about to throw over you all sorts of potential encouragement. Um, and number two, remember the filter, it's very, very low bar on this. You're only allowed to say what's nice, potentially strengthening, encouraging comfort. Um, you are allowed to be wrong. My encouragement would be to share absolutely everything, even if it seems simple or you can't make a connection. And you just start by saying, okay, I could be wrong, but this is what came to my mind. Okay, go. Do, do feel free to give a little bit of feedback as well. Those of you who are receiving it, if something resonates or makes sense um, or connects to something, then just let them know. Ten seconds. Okay, let's finish. Okay, so if you'd um, like to sort of wrap it up and turn back to me. Good. Okay, that wasn't too painful, was it? Lovely. Right. Okay, so uh, let me get this right. Number one, you were on the receiving end of that, I think. How many number ones would say that in that, you don't have to say that everything made absolute sense and you can see it was accurate. How many of you could say that in that, there was definitely stuff that you thought that potentially could be from God and is quite a blessing? Quick show of hands. There we go. Point is, you can all do it, right? Doesn't mean you're going to be 100% perfect all the time, but you can all do it. Now, what I like to do at this point is um, what I usually call praying in your greatest hits. Um, when you were sharing things, the person will have said to you that some things resonated more than the others. So I would say start with those. So we're going to pray in. Now, the reason we pray in is because you remember the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said that some of the seeds, which is the word of God, falls on the path and the birds of the air come and eat it. It doesn't get rooted at all. And um, when the disciples saying, Lord, what is that? Jesus says, Satan doesn't like the word of God to get into people's lives, so he snatches truth. Now, the, the sort of truth that Satan loves to snatch from the lives of believers more than anything else is encouragement. So when you've potentially received a word of encouragement, what I like to do is pray that the Holy Spirit would plant it deeply into our lives through faith, and we forbid the enemy from snatching the seed. And that's why I say start with the ones that you're most, that as a couple you're most confident on. So there'll be certain ones that are stronger. And what it looks like is this, really simply, just to say, Father, I thank you that, and then you don't give it tentatively, but you now give it faithfully. So, I, Father, I thank you that she is called to be a teacher. I thank you that um, you've given her an image that she's like that plant that, the flower that turns to face the sun and she, she's always seeking for your presence. And I thank you that you have promised that you're a good shepherd who will always provide and protect. You know, whatever things came in there. Basically, we receive things by faith. And by faith, you say, I believe this is what God has said. We've done the testing bit already, which is not sure, but I think possibly. If the person said, I think that might be right, then let's go... Well, let's agree that that's what God's saying. And then by faith, we'll say, I thank you, Lord, that you have said this. Okay, does that make sense? So, um, number one is to close your eyes again just for a moment. Number two, if you're comfortable praying out loud, pray a prayer along those lines. Lord, I thank you that this is what you said. And then just pray your greatest hits. The things that you are most confident on, pray them over them. Lord, I thank you that this is what you have said. And 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take these words, you would plant them deeply in their hearts. We forbid the enemy from snatching the seed, and we pray that you'd watch over these words until they bring forth the full fruit of encouragement that you intend for them. Amen. Just give me a minute to do that. Great. Just, just a short, simple prayer of planting, and we forbid the enemy from snatching any of the seed in Jesus' name. Brilliant. Well done, folks. Now, any guesses what happens next? Oh, no. It's not rocket science, is it? We're going to change roles now. So, um, uh, number, number two, it's your time for a nap. Um, so, if you'd like to relax, number one, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. I'm going to lead a prayer. I'm going to use the same or similar prompts. I'm going to ask you just to remember anything that comes across your mind with that, only that simple test of, is this not directive, not rebuking? Could it strengthen, encourage, comfort, and be a nice thing that God might want to say? So, number two, if you just want to settle in. Father, we want to thank you for these people. We've, we've labelled them for the purpose of this exercise, number two, but they are number one in your eyes. Lord, that these people are deeply loved and that you are their heavenly Father, you desire to give good gifts to your children. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we would be channels of blessing to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Would you release the prophetic word and inspire our thoughts that we might be able to build them up? So, uh, my number one says... Um, I do encourage you to look at the person because that's going to help you remember that it's a person that you're praying for and listening for. So first question, what comes to mind when I say, how does God see this person? might be a word or an image. What part do they play? What's their contribution to the body of Christ? What comes to mind when I say, what spiritual gifts or abilities has God placed in their life? You might just be confirming something they know already, but it's really good to hear it again. It gives you confidence. Or it might be there's something new God wants to start teaching them in, in this next season. But what gifts are in their life? Now remember, the Bible is the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. So, is there a word of Scripture or promise that God brings to your mind. Might be as simple as a title or role of God that they need to be reminded of. Um, when I'm praying for people, um, it's one of the most common things I do is actually pray scripture over people. It's amazing how often people say, that's the third time I've heard that this week, or that was in my Bible reading this morning, or that's my life verse. It's a really powerful thing to do, is use scripture as we pray for each other. But like we said, remember, a lot of people nowadays, they learn truth also through song. So 
Lord, is there a, is there a lyric of a song or a hymn that's in your mind? Don't force things, but let things come. Sometimes something will just pop into your mind unexpectedly. Okay, now let's try this. Lord, would you bring a Bible character to my mind right now? The name of a character or the thought of a character. And what is it about his or her story or example that you would want this person to be encouraged with now. So now we'll offer to God our imagination. So I explained last time about the mind's eye, that place where we see things. Um, and we often would call those pictures. Some of you, you're very visual. You, you know, if you ask God for a picture, you might be able to you know, see all sorts of detail. Others of us, we're less visual, get slightly shadier concept. But we all have a mind's eye, that's the point. So, Lord, would you give me a, uh, an image or a picture that would carry meaning for this person? And as God shows you something, just say, Lord, could you help me unpack that for me? Would you show me what that might mean for them? Finally, a great question to ask. What does this person most need to hear from you right now? Great. Well, well done. Uh, number ones, you can... Oh, I've lost track. Number twos, you can open your eyes. Back with us, anyway. Whoever had your eyes shut, open your eyes. Good. Uh, I think you're number ones, that's right. The number ones have got lots of encouragement and are now going to pour all over you. So on an open hand, I could be wrong, but this is what came to my mind. I think God might be saying, go. Don't forget as you're going through to give um, feedback as well as you can. Particularly if you can make connections as you hear something given to you. Okay, great. Right, let's all come back together then. It's great to hear you. You've got enough to talk about. That's always a good sign. Lovely. You have to carry on prophesying in your own time. So, we're going to pray in a moment. Um, just before we do that then, um, Again, what we did before, those of you who have just been on the receiving end of that, without saying necessarily that everything makes sense to you at this moment, though sometimes things make sense later, let's be honest, um, how many of you would say already you would, you would say something within that was almost certainly from God as an encouragement? Show of hands? Lovely. So if we put that all together, it's basically the point is you can all do this, right? That's the point of this. You can all do this. Um, we, we have um, trained our small group leaders to do this. We've, we've actually done it as in a couple of small group evenings. Um, I have emailed the prompts to Tom. So if you want the prompts, you, you can do this anytime. The point of it is everybody, every Christian potentially can hear from God 
um, speak a word of strengthening, encouraging and comfort to somebody else. It's a great little exercise sometimes in small groups. Obviously it's a lot easier if you don't know people because then you get, don't get... It's it just when you say something and you have no way of knowing, it's much more obviously from God. But it's still from God if you know somebody really well and you know what they need to hear and you say it, it's actually from God. You know, sometimes we, we don't say the obvious when God just wants us to say the obvious and that's what people need to hear. So, fantastic. So be encouraged, we can all do this. Now, we're just going to do what we did before, which is we're going to pray in our greatest hits. So, um, number two, I think, was uh, receiving and number one was hearing. So... Number two, if you want to close your eyes, number one. I encourage you to just do, do this as ministry, to so put a hand on their shoulder perhaps. And then remember, now you, what you're going to do is what you offered before tentatively, you're now going to offer with faith. We prophesy according to measure of faith, according to Romans 12. So we've now agreed that's probably from God. Let's say it is. So... Father, I thank you that she is. I thank you that he is. And then just pray your greatest hits. Now, don't forget to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the seed of encouragement and you would plant it deeply, that you'd forbid the enemy, we forbid the enemy from snatching any of the seed, and Holy Spirit, watch over it until it grows to bring forth the full fruit that you have purposed for it. So, thank you, Lord, that you are a God who speaks. And thank you. I pray that each of us would go and grow in confidence that you speak to us today, that we would be quicker to offer prophetic words in your name. We wouldn't think that we have to come as big, powerful revelations but, Lord, that we would be confident to offer the things that come to us that carry your fragrance with them. Amen. Amen. Well done. So it's so important to do that. If we could create a culture where we are regularly speaking encouragement over each other, I mean, to be honest, I don't mind having lots of human encouragement spoken over me, and if in the midst of it is some divine encouragement, even better. And actually, as well, to just remember that there's an enemy of our souls. He doesn't want us to be encouraged. And so at the end of church, as we go out the door, he stands just behind the vicar. So you shake the vicar's hand and you come out into the outside and Satan goes, I'll have that. Yoink, yoink. So just remember, we, we receive by faith. We hold on to it. We ask the Holy Spirit to plant it and we forbid the enemy from stealing it. Brilliant. That's it. It's now time to go and run round a field. <laughs> it's mandatory, apparently. Um, just in training for your barn dance later. So, um, it's been lovely being with you. Becky and I aren't here for the dance, um, so we, we're going back. But I hope you have fun the rest of the weekend, and uh, we we'll hope to see you again sometime soon.